0: Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Your hosts, Nick Wagner and Joshua Johnson, have been described as not blowhards. Join them as they discuss the matters at the heart of the Dynasty community. From rookie advice to trade analysis, plant your flag here. This is the Dynasty Pulse, presented by DynastyFootballWarehouse.com. Your talking points are high-end VIP lifestyle. Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Johnson. With me, as always, is Nick Hail to the Redskins Wagner. Nick, what's up, buddy? Oh, not much, Josh. Uh,
1: you know, one of my personal favorite things about playing fantasy is when you have that guy stashed on the end of your roster that you know you're only going to use once or twice a year due to bye weeks or injuries or whatever. And then the once or twice that you do use him, he absolutely goes off the way Pierre Garçon did for me this week, six catches, 116 yards, and a touchdown. I'm pretty sure that was uh, the only time I played him all year. So really really good feeling. <laughs> How are you doing this week,
0: Josh? doing good, doing good. Uh, I hear what you're saying about uh, and He's available in my re- redraft league. I've been thinking about putting in a claim for him. Spent all my money already, though. So, we'll uh, see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, season's flying by. We are already at Thanksgiving week. Um, that's why we're coming to you on a Tuesday today rather than uh, a Wednesday. A lot, a lot of injuries going on. Shady McCoy and your luck, just to name a few. Uh, yeah, just a... Uh, CJ is another big one, finally. He's getting some reps and starting to look good, so maybe maybe we see something from Alex Collins now at the end of the bench there, as uh, Joseph pointed out in the waiver wire last night uh, for the for DFW here. Great show for you planned today, as always. Uh, do a little dynasty dilemma. We took a look, look at a couple top-notch wide receivers and Stephon Diggs and Jordan Matthews. Of course, some sit, our start dynasty trade analysis, and we've got a couple... Uh, Prospect court, excuse me, look at a couple college quarterbacks. And, of course, Chuck's going to be stopping by for uh, some ATS picks as well. So looking forward to that. Uh, Any thoughts on uh, the week that was, uh, week 11 there, Nick? Well, first I wonder how many fantasy owners had their wide
1: receiver, Doug Baldwin, throw a touchdown to their opponent's quarterback, Russell Wilson. I know I was one. Uh, Now you can say what you will about Aaron Rodgers not looking like himself this year, but he did his part this week. 351 yards and three touchdowns. It's not his fault the Green Bay defense gave up 515 yards and 42 points to Washington. Uh, The Colts continue to have the Titans number. It's strange to me that the Red Hot Titans offense couldn't produce against a Colts defense that has been suspect at times this year, although Rashard Matthews uh, continued to light up the stat sheet, nine catches, 122 yards. Uh, turmoil continues in Cleveland where Terrell Pryor actually said his offensive line should start committing holding penalties in order to keep their quarterback from taking so many hits. Uh, One fun side note from that game's box score, it's pretty rare these days that a team only has one player with a rush in a game, but that was the case for Le'Veon Bell. No quarterback runs, no runs by the backup running back, just Bell's 28 carries and 146 yards and a score, plus 8 catches and 55 yards through the air. Uh, It may be surprising that they're using him that much given his health history, but I guess you have to do Whatever it takes for losing or giving a division opponent their first
0: win. Uh, The dude is a true work pack, which is pretty much a dying breed these days, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of that is uh, D'Angelo Williams has been out for probably the last month now. They're not, not really trusting in uh, Fitzgerald Toussaint, I believe is how you say that name. Uh, So yeah, I'm sure that that went into a little bit, but really what else do they need to do? I mean, it's, it's, uh, sorry to make fun of them all the time, but it is Cleveland. Um, couple couple things that I want to point out first. First and foremost, uh, congratulations, to Steve Smith, senior, on a one thousand career receptions. Put pretty amazing feat when you consider the. You know injuries, as we talked about earlier, and and how and how vicious the NFL has become. And granted, it is a passing league now. But Steve, Steve Smith, I think he's one of five or six people all the time with 1,000 career receptions. I don't, I don't know if we can say there's a, a guy right now that could could match that. You know, maybe Antonio Brown if he keeps it going. But you just you, you just don't know with shelf life and whatnot. I mean, I feel like Steve Smith's been in the league since I since I was in junior high. So. Well he probably was, I guess I ain't pretty old. But uh, he's been in the league for a while. But uh congratulations Tim. him. Um first impressions I had on uh, J- uh Jared Goff. Uh didn't they didn't really ask him to do a whole lot, really really just kind of quick passes to the to the left and to the right and whatnot. Couple couple shots deep downfield, nothing uh nothing big, but I think it's uh I thought it was a, a decent start for him, even though the the Rams lost. Uh but I think there's Certainly something good things going there for him not like I said not super impressed but i li- I like like kind of how he played uh interesting thing i I thought about that whole decision and waiting to put Jared Goff on now is the fact that uh they are now giving Bill Belichick two full weeks or two full games of game film as they play at New England not this week but next week uh that 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 could be bad news for Goff, and we'll certainly be impressed if he comes out of that game with doing some some good things up in new england there um nick what what are your thoughts on the uh the aftermath now that the Bengals have lost uh Gio bernard looks like they were going to lose aj green as well uh looks like he's probably only out a couple weeks but geo did tear his acl uh and he's obviously done for this year and possibly missing missing some time next year what what do you think what do you think How do they adjust their offense for this?
1: Well, I would guess that Jeremy Hill becomes a workhorse running back there. Uh, But really, I mean, the team was – what what uh, three six and one so their season is likely over anyway I don't know why they would rush to bring AJ Green back I would let that hamstring completely heal up and you know if it isn't healed up by week seventeen then just sit him the rest of the year I I don't understand why they would rush him back but yeah it's definitely going to be a different looking offense uh, Andy Dalton's
0: fantasy value took a huge hit. <sighs> And that's bad news when Andy Dalton and Andrew Luck are quarterbacks. Because now I have to start Dalton in a couple leagues this week. Um, uh, Rex Burkhead is officially the next man up. The uh, I think he's a fifth-year player out of Nebraska. hasn't seen a whole lot of action. I know they do have certain packages they like to use him, but uh, he's essentially the next man up. I, he's not going to be. Uh, he's not going to come out and catch uh, 40 passes to end the season. But uh, he's. He, he'll he certainly see a few looks. I don't know if he, maybe in super deep leagues, he's, he's probably worth an ad if you're putting geo on your, on your IR there. So, uh, yeah, good point about not rushing him back. I know, I know fantasy owners would like to see AJ green play again, but, uh, you, you bring, you bring up a very valid point there. Um, what do you think for waiver fodder this week? Nick, who are you taking a look at?
1: Well, um, uh, keeping with the Bengals, I think Brandon LaFell actually gets a little bump uh, here with A.J. Green. And Giovanni Bernard was such a pass-catching threat that uh, I would figure uh, some more targets would go his way. Um, in shallower leagues, I would look at uh, uh, the Buffalo backup running back, uh You know, the Shady McCoy injury, it sounds like it was a dislocated thumb that they were unable to pop back in on the sidelines. I don't want to even think about how many times they tried to pop that thing back in. God, that must have been painful. Um, Seattle running back Alex Collins, the guy that you mentioned earlier, I think, uh, you know, with only the injury-prone Thomas Rawls in front of him, definitely worth an ad uh, in the team leagues. Uh, Jared Cook, the tight end for Green Bay, went over 100 yards this last week. If nobody picked him up, uh, you know, earlier, definitely he's worth an ad. And what do you think about Matt Barkley if you're really quarterback and needy, uh, the new starter in Chicago, Josh? Uh,
0: well, uh, I try not to think about Matt Barkley, but uh, I – I, I do know, as as somebody who who plays in a few uh, two quarterback leagues, anytime there's a QB injury, people go scrambling and spend a bunch of money in a backup. So I know I know there'll be people going out there trying to use them. You know, Tennessee's not not a bad matchup, and I uh, yeah, you, you never want to have Matt Barkley in your starting lineup. I know. not but uh, some people are going to have to this week there. So. Uh, you know, they they have some talent to work with. They have they have a decent running game. It's not like he's gonna go out there and Ryan then the place up. So I, I think he's a little bit better than that. So again, not a not a sexy option, but uh somebody you have to have to take a look at, especially in those uh two quarterback leagues or if you're you know think if you had quarterbacks for luck and uh Jay Cutler. I mean you got Scott Tulzine or Matt Barkley. uh <laughs> On Thanksgiving, are you ready for it? Um, so let's move on to our Dynasty dilemma. Uh, got a pack show for you today, so maybe hold off on the clip this time. We did Stefan Diggs versus Jordan Matthews. Um, I had the chance to go first, I had to choose, so I will go first here. Um, uh, great. I, I would you first want to say I was a little surprised by the uh, the uh, Twitter. Outcry with uh, not outcry, but uh, put this on as we usually do every week with their dilemma. I put it on Twitter to to a vote, and uh, Diggs won this handily, and and I was just just a little surprised by that. But uh, you know, I I I don't know, just it was not pretty, like eighty one percent to nineteen percent. I just did not uh, see that coming, but I do think. Matthews is kind of the safer play, while Diggs is a, is a more sexy pick. Uh, prior to this season, I was of the belief that Diggs could not be a wide receiver. One. Maybe part of that was the drafting of Laquan Treadwell in the first round. I, have, I now have a firm belief that, that, it, that his talent is for real, and, but I still choose J. Matt because I think he's clearly the best pass catcher on his team. I know he has the drop, the drop history, but I think he's still the best, the best option for this team. Diggs looks to be the future in Minnesota, but there is some so much uncertainty with the rest of that offense, and that that scares me about him. While J. Matt, the, while the J. Matt Wentz connection could be ready for dominance moving forward, somehow they seem very Tony Romo, Des Bryant like, um, and that's you know no slight on either one of them. If you have some character problems with either one of those guys, uh, Matthew <laughs> has yet to show, yet to show that his his ability to take over games like he did in college, but he has also not been the focal point of the Eagle offense. Given the stolen hands of Nelson Aguilar and the clearly limited skill set of DGB, Matthews has a clear path to be a legitimate wide receiver one. Diggs has Treadwell, who, to, who could contend who has the, the ability to be a very solid possession receiver, thus he's Diggs's PPR value might take a hit. And as crazy as it may sound, the emergence of Adam Thielen and the gimmickry of Cordell Patterson, I think could limit Diggs' touches. Diggs did set an NFL record with back-to-back 13 reception performances, but a date versus Patrick Peterson may be a glimpse of things to come. Uh, Obviously, Diggs is getting the respect of D coordinators all around, and he's going to see, if not the best defender, maybe the best two defenders in every single matchup, I think going forward until Treadwell emerges. And then when Treadwell emerges, I think that could be to Diggs' PPR detriment as well. So what do you have for us on Jordan Matthews, Nick?
1: Well, you know, I'll give your guy Jordan Matthews this. His hands are better than his teammate Nelson Aguilar's. Of course, that's about the lowest bar (laughs) imaginable. It's like saying South Dakota's winters are warmer than North Dakota's. They're both uninhabitable, and both Eagles wide receivers have dreadful hands. Now, Matthews is, even with his struggles with drops, Philadelphia's number one receiver, but his stats don't reflect it. After going over 100 yards in week one, he hasn't done it since. And even though it's three, 212 pounds, you think he has the size you look for in a red zone target, he only has one touchdown over his last seven games. People were expecting a year three breakout from Matthews, but he seems to have plateaued instead. He'll likely forever be a 900 to 1,000 yard receiver for his career. That's not bad, but Diggs should have a much higher ceiling. In nine games this year, Diggs has already surpassed his 13-game 2015 totals in receptions and yards. And while you could blame Matthews' numbers on the fact that he's playing with a rookie quarterback, don't forget that Diggs' quarterback, Bradford, had to learn the offense on the fly after being traded to Minnesota right before the season started. This year, Diggs has three 100-yard games, seven games with five or more catches, and two games with 13 catches. And you mentioned that Patrick Peterson shattered him all week last week. Even with that, he still had six catches. That's pretty nice uh, uh, four in a PPR league. And he's been nursing hamstring and groin injuries this season and still been productive through it. Uh, Diggs may not be as tall as Jordan Matthews, but he's not small either. He's about six foot, and he doesn't struggle to do the most important thing a wide receiver does, that is actually catch the football.
0: Okay. Obviously, most of these cases are—you can't go wrong with with either one of these. And certainly, it comes down to a preference thing. But I—I uh, I do feel like, uh, and I—and I hear your your correlation with Bradford to, to Wentz and, and learning the offense as far as a rookie quarterback. But I just feel like we know who the Minnesota quarterback is or excuse me, we know who the Philadelphia quarterback is. We know who it's going to be next year. We know who it's going to be in 2018 and 19. And we know Jay Matt's going to be catching passes from the same guy. We don't know who the offensive linemen are, who the running back is, who the quarterback is going to be in Minnesota. I mean, all of that could be very, very different next year. And I think I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe a down year from from Diggs if, if there's a lot of moving parts. I know that defense is going to keep, this team a contender, but uh, uh, just 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 kind of kind of fear that. And where where we look at uh, you know a couple of weeks ago, we talked Wentz versus Prescott, and who we would want to start, who we would want on our dynasty roster. You know, three years from now, we could ask that question every single week, and maybe maybe now more so, people would be on the uh, Prescott wagon because this Dallas team is so hot. And they keep winning. But you gotta look at it from a dynasty standpoint, where they're gonna be, you know, two or three years from now. I think guys like Prescott, I know he's not as much of a runner as Mariota, but those guys just have such a shorter shelf life and where we think the guys that are the prototypical players like Matthews and and Wentz, those are the guys that have the longer shelf life, those are the guys that have the longer career. I love Stefan Diggs. I, it's, it was so hard to go against him in in this type of situation, but I feel like, in terms of how how these guys' careers are going to end up, I just feel like Matthews has the chance to have the longer career. Any any more thoughts there, Nick?
1: Well, I'll say this about the quarterback situation in Minnesota. I would be shocked if it wasn't either Sam Bradford or Teddy Bridgewater as their quarterback next year and moving forward. And Diggs has played well with both of those quarterbacks. So you definitely have a great point on the the Vikings need to address that offensive line and the running back situation. But I do think that with whichever quarterback uh, is their starter moving forward in 2017, I think Diggs will be
0: just fine. Yes. And they still have Taylor Heineke out of Old Dominion on their, on their bench as well. So. Uh, that was a joke. It's okay. Um <laughs> it's okay. Um <Natural. laughs> uh, uh moving on to some sitter start, Nick. I thought we would kind of in a couple of weeks when the fantasy playoffs really get going, we we did something last year and I think we're gonna to return to it where we just did sit sort of start on every single game, so we looked at a lot of a lot of the key matchups. So I thought we'd kinda of give people a little preview of what we're gonna do here in a couple of weeks. They could kind of really look deep into these Thanksgiving games. So what do you what do you think about the Minnesota uh, speaking of Stefan Diggs in, in in the Lions game what 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 do you think who who are you who are you looking at to to maybe be the top performers and who's probably a shit um, I would start Stephon Diggs,
1: probably Kyle Rudolph and Eric Ebron. Uh, and Matt Stafford. I'm desperate a quarterback, but I'm really not touching anybody else here. Minnesota's got that tough defense. Uh, Detroit's defense is not the weakest either. Uh not as not as strong obviously as Minnesota's, but the with the offensive line struggles the Vikings have had, it's kinda of tough to trust that any of the running backs there or any receivers other than Diggs. So yeah, not not a whole lot of fantasy value to be had here in my opinion.
0: Uh, yeah. What, what about Theo Riddick? I mean, is he a, is he a sit for you? I just think because of his PPR upside, he's almost a, a kind of a matchup proof type of player, especially considering the rest of that depth chart, don't you think? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. In PPR
1: leagues only, he's a guy that you could probably start, but uh standard leagues, there's no way I would touch
0: him. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen this Minnesota defense been be vulnerable too, and and they've given up some points to tight ends recently too. So I love the love the Ebron play, um, and Rudolph for that matter. I, I could see him getting a uh, a short touchdown in this game too. Um, defensive side of the ball, I do like. Uh, you know, Kendricks is obviously a must start. Same with Everson Griffin, probably um, Danil Hunter as well. Uh Tavon Wilson's still doing some pretty good things for the to, for the Lions in the back end and obviously Tahir Whitehead and um we talked last week extensively about Ziggy on the Nick and maybe he's a, a wait wait and see for a couple of weeks to have a player, but you gotta think with this Minnesota defense he, you're putting him out there, right?
2: Yeah, I would think so. Mi-
0: Minnesota offensive line, excuse me. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I agree with you. Okay, um, so yeah, one of my options. Other options. Speaking of quarterbacks, would would, would you consider Bradford if you're an, an Andrew Luck owner? I have Bradford, Dalton, and Andrew Luck. Would, would you consider any Bradford or or Dalton in in, a, in that type of situation?
1: Oh, you know, I think I would probably go with Bradford, uh, just because his surrounding talent is now better than what Dalton has to work with in uh, in Cincinnati.
0: Okay, not a not a pretty situation, that's for sure. Uh, let's move on to your uh, Washington Redskins visiting the Dallas Cowboys, uh, the mid afternoon game. But what what do you think in there? Who are you like and who, are you, liking, who are you sitting? Well, to me, this game's the opposite of the first
1: game. I would start pretty much everybody. The Washington offense has really been clicking (laughs) lately. So, Kirk Cousins, Jordan Reed, Rob Kelly are must-starts. Crowder and Deshaun Jackson are pretty good, too. Jackson's always going to be boom or bust, of course. And then uh, Garcon has been fairly consistent lately as well. He's got six catches in each of the last three games. So you know he's not a bad play either, and uh, of course if you have any of the Cowboys, you haven't been sitting them yet, so I don't think there's any need to do so now. Cole Beasley, uh, Des Bryant, of course Ezekiel Elliott, and Des Prescott. If you've been using any of those guys, continue to
0: roll them out. Yeah, this. Uh, um, what do you, what do you think about Dak versus a guy like? Uh, so my two quarterback leagues, I'm looking pretty good. I got some good players, but. Uh, so I got Dak, Matt Ryan, and Eli. What do you think about those? Eli's playing the Browns, but they might not even have to throw in that game. And then Ryan's playing Arizona. So you think you think Dak's worth starting either over any one of those guys?
1: Um, I think so, especially because uh, you know, the Matt Ryan playing Arizona, that means uh, Patrick Peterson is going to be locked on Julio Jones, so that's kind of a risky play there. Uh, yeah, I think I would go Dak
0: over both those guys. Wow, okay. Good point there. Um yeah, I I feel you. man, God I love Jameson Crowder. He just continues, you know, you never wanna give him that full credit when credit is due because he's only five eight or five seven and then three quarters, but uh man he just continues to reduce. Uh same same thing with Rob Kelly. He's really really come on strong. I noticed no no touches for Matt Jones in that game, Nick is uh is he hurt? or is he just, is he just done? Um, I think
1: the coaching staff just got sick of seeing the, you know, one yard loss, two yard loss carries plus the fumbles on top of that. Rob Kelly's getting you positive yards every time he touches the ball and he's holding onto the ball. So it's pretty much a no brainer. You got to go with Rob Kelly at this point.
0: Okay. Good, good point there. Yeah. Um, defensive side of the ball, uh, Speaking of defensive players, the Cowboys did activate uh, or take uh, Jalen Smith off of uh, the NFL I list, I think is what it is. But he's not still. they still said he's not going to play this year. But uh, uh, st- certainly a step in the right direction for a young man who I know people, a lot of, of Cowboys fans are very excited to see on the field, as well as IDP fans. Uh, Sean, Lee's, Sean Lee's a good start. Um Trent Murphy's kind of a boomer bust sack guy. Sue Cravens came through and had a really nice game for uh, Washington. Um, and maybe there's some more IDP stats to come there. Um, do you, what, do you, what do you think about our boy Kerrigan, Nick? Ryan Kerrigan, is he is he worth a play in this game? Can he get after Jack and Zeke?
1: You know, as good as that offensive line is for Dallas, uh you know, if you if you've been starting Kerrigan, I don't know if I would be in a rush to sit him, but I wouldn't be expecting him to have his biggest game of the year by any means this, season,
0: or this week. Yeah, how how could I forget about that that uh, Cowboys offensive line? That's that, that's a very good point there. Um, uh, secondary wise too for uh, the Cowboys, I I do like Byron Jones. He's come through and had a couple of really good games in a row there for Dallas and more idp stats are coming i believe from him so certainly a very fast player and he's getting 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 more involved in the tackling game than i expected so far in this point in his career so i I like him as a player what do you think about the Steelers at the colts oh we are we dare i bench t.y hilton with the total under center I think I think I would still start T.Y. Hilton.
1: He's talented enough. I would, I would have to think he's still going to get the targets anyway. Um, you know, of course, Pittsburgh's big three are weekly starts, uh, but I would avoid Pittsburgh's tight ends. It seems like uh, James and now the Green is back. They're kind of splitting the tight end targets, so neither of them can really be trusted yet in my opinion. Uh, but with, with the Colts, I, I don't think I would change the way I would handle any of them. You know, Hilton I would start. Uh, Frank Gore likely I would start just because he seems to get the touches. Um, a few running backs are getting you know 15 plus touches every week. Uh, everybody else just kind of depends on your team's depth, in my opinion, for the Colts.
0: Yeah, yeah, very good point there. Um, obviously, nobody's benching Antonio Brown, um, and this is the worst pass defense in football, I believe. At least they were last year. Um, so there is you know maybe some love for Eli Rogers out there is. We know Brown is the man and we know you're not benching him, but he will probably likely be locked up with Vontae Davis. So that that could limit Brown from having a nasty game, but uh we nobody's gonna be surprised if he goes for twelve and two hundred yards either. So, uh but Eli Rogers could be a nice beneficiary of some some peel off targets there. Uh defensive side of the ball, don't even look at the Colts defensive players, maybe Maybe Dequell Jackson, David, you know, and um, Eric Walden's been having some decent, decent action there, but uh, that team is just a mess. Um, Steelers, Steelers haven't been very good on defense either. Um, Shazier, obviously, when he's healthy, is a beast. Same with Lawrence Timmons; Those are pretty much must-starts. You really don't need me to tell you to start those guys. So. um, Man, Andrew Luck not playing this game really just takes the life out of this game. What looked like a, a decent matchup, don't you think? Nick just kind of, kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It is a shame. Horrible timing for Luck. Yeah,
1: I guess it never is a good time to get a concussion, but especially with a the national stage Thanksgiving game. It's,
0: it's it really is too bad. Hmm. Uh Maybe Tolzien can match Flynn's situation, get himself a contract, and. Cleveland, I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, let's go to some other games here. What, what do you think about Philip Rivers at Houston or Aaron Rodgers at Philadelphia on Monday night? Um, I think I would go
1: with uh, Rodgers. You, you know, just, just it's just an easier matchup. Uh, Houston's more of a tough defense, so you know Philadelphia kind of seems like the wheels are coming off after they had such a hot start. Uh, plus, Rodgers is coming off a pretty good game of his own, so I, I would go with Aaron Rodgers.
0: Well, Philly likes to play that wide nine defense and spread kind of spread the line out their defensive line at least out and I don't know if that's a good a good match for this um, Packers team that likes to live on those short passes and screen passes passes and get creative like that so I, I don't know if that's a good matchup it might be good news for Jordy Nelson owners but I don't know if that's good for Rodgers or the rest of this team so I think I, w- I, think I would go with Rivers I know excuse me, I know Houston has some dynamite uh cornerbacks, but uh Rivers just seems to always find that open man and they got a couple tight ends that uh, are both healthy in Gates and Hunter Henry, so I think I think they could do some damage in this game. I would I wouldn't be surprised to see this one uh, a, a kind of a higher scoring fair in, in Houston. And I do respect that Houston defense, but I think Rivers Rivers always seems to find that open man, so what do you think about Blake Bortles at Buffalo or Tyrod Taylor versus those same Jacksonville Jaguars?
1: Well, I would prefer to play neither of them, but if I had to play one, I would probably go with Blake Bortles. I just think he has more upside even if he does have a lower floor, but I mean, Buffalo could easily get an early lead this uh, game running the ball, and Tyrod not have to throw for more than 150 yards for Buffalo to still get the win, so
0: I, I would go with Bortles. Okay. Um, man, this is I like this Buffalo defense too much. And it's in Buffalo. Um, the other league where I own Luck, uh, I have Luck and Dalton as well, but my other quarterback is Tyrod. So I'm loving loving that matchup. You can do some good things. and We know Blake Bortles. I think Blake Bortles threw two touchdown passes in the first half last week. Um, I could be wrong, but maybe it was second, third quarter. But <laughs> um, we know he's good for garbage time, but this Buffalo second there was really good. So I think I would go Tyrod. I just... I love the matchup, and uh, we might actually see more running from Tyrod with uh, with Shady out too, so something to look at there. What do you think about Ryan Tannehill versus San Francisco?
1: Well, even the golden boy Tom Brady didn't hit 300 yards versus San Francisco last week, although he did have four touchdowns. Well, uh, Garrett Blunt though, uh, had 19 carries for 124 yards, so I look for this game to be more of the same. Dolphins are going to run the ball a lot, so I love J.H.I., but Ryan Tannehill, not so much. I think I would said it.
0: Uh, yeah, he did pull the the rabbit out of the hat with two late touchdown passes in the last four minutes of that game. But uh, I think you got to be pretty desperate, even though it is a decent matchup against San Fran to start to start Tannehill. Um, you know, best case scenario, maybe 250 yards and a couple touchdowns. Pray for no no turnovers. But I don't I don't know. I Man, I, I know a lot of people would accept that, but I think that is certainly the best case scenario. Uh, Winston got himself a tough matchup as uh, Seattle comes to town. What do you think about Winston? Well, I don't love
1: it, but it could be a sneaky play, actually. If you look at Winston's top two yardage totals this year, they were against the Rams and the Chiefs. Those are two very solid defenses, and he had four touchdowns and only one interception in those two games. Maybe Winston's just one of those guys who elevates himself to the level of competition. So, I, you know, I would go out of my way to start him, but I wouldn't mind starting him either, actually.
0: Uh, yeah, and talk about uh, good matchups for the weekend. Mike Evans versus Richard Sherman. That should be uh, fun to watch. Um, probably already answered this as Nick's all-but-starting Brock Osweiler over Andy Dalton. But uh, <laughs> what do you think about Andy Dalton at Baltimore or Joe Flacco versus Cincinnati? Yeah, you said it. I, I've got to see what
1: Andy Dalton is going to do without those top two targets in that offense anymore before I'm going to roll them out. So I, I've got no choice but to go with Flacco here.
0: Well, I know they lost, uh, but uh, just I think Boyd got nine targets and LaFell got eight after AJ went down. I thought thought he did okay, but uh, I'm still probably rolling Flacco out there. They have enough enough weapons. They don't have a dominant weapon. But I think they have enough weapons to uh, for to lack what I have a good game in this game. Um this should be interesting spread and things going into that game. But uh what do you think about Thomas Rawls? Ready to roll Rawls out there with uh with pro obviously done for this week. Rawls at Tampa? Yeah, no question. Without C.J. Procise,
1: uh, I'm starting Rawls. The only other running back there, I think, is uh, Alex Collins. Um,
0: so, yeah,
1: you know, hopefully he p- improves as the season progresses. He had 14 carries for 57 yards last week, so not great, not terrible. Uh, hopefully, though, as he continues to get healthier and healthier, he uh, his total will get better. So I'll start him this
0: weekend. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's uh, not the greatest matchup because Tampa does, does do some decent stuff decently against running backs but uh yeah you know, I think I'm rolling him out there too just because of the, that's kind of him him or bust at this point for uh for a lot of for a lot a lot of his owners and basically the Seattle coaching staff. Uh what do you think about Jonathan Stewart at Oakland?
1: Well he's not coming off a bye but he is coming off a long week as Carolina played Thursday. So I think that should mean the aging running back will be well rested and I would go ahead and roll him out against Oakland.
0: Okay. Yeah, Oakland give, gives up points to running backs. So he there until that defense becomes stout, they're certainly a, a worthy opponent to give up points. What do you think about Jordan Howard versus Tennessee? I'm kind of on the fence
1: here. I like the volume that he's getting, but I don't really like the matchup. You look at it last week, Frank Gore, only 18 carries for 50 yards against this defense. And with Cutler hurt again, I think that could affect the offensive scoring chances. But then again, they're probably going to lean on the run game even more. So I think I would start him, but it is kind of a risky play.
0: Uh, yeah. Don't have to start Jordan Howard this week. Uh, you're in a better situation than me. uh, uh... And there's no buys this week, guys, and I have to start Jordan Howard. How's that? Um, thank you very much, Charles Sims and Adrian Peters. Uh, Matt Forte versus New England. Tough matchup. It is, but uh, Forte's been over 80
1: yards in each of his last four games, uh, plus five touchdowns over that span. Um, it could be tough with the you know the somewhat fluid quarterback situation there, but I think I would still start Matt Forte.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's probably a, deep, a must start. And I know New England does good game planning for people, but I would maybe think about sitting Forte in a couple of weeks against New England at New England rather than this game. Um, Terrell Pryor um, or Shard Matthews. Terrell Pryor versus the Giants. Rashard at Chicago. My buddy Craig on Twitter. Asked me this before last week's games, and I said Matthews. So Matthews had the better game. So what do, what do you think this week? Well,
1: Richard Matthews is having a great year. He's already set career mm-hmm. highs in rece- receptions and touchdowns. He's too hot to sit. Period. Although I do also like Terrell Pryor as well. So if you have a chance to start both, I wouldn't I wouldn't hesitate to do that. But given the choice between the two, I'm going with that.
0: Yeah. I think I'd actually go prior just because you look at game flow. I expect Tennessee to win this game. You know, I expected them to win last week too and they didn't, but I think I think they'll try to set a precedent with their running game and Cleveland's obviously gonna be playing from behind. Um, are you calling a Cleveland upset this week, Nick? What do you think? <laughs> uh, I think I'm done calling Cleveland upset. <laughs> and hopefully,
1: they, and hopefully, they prove uh, me wrong. I'll be rooting for them because nobody wants to see an O n sixteen team. I'll be rooting for them every week, but I, I can't pick them anymore.
0: Yeah, you know, I I agree. Nobody wants to see an O n sixteen team, but, but before it happened, before Detroit did it, I was still hoping to see it. I just wanted to see it in my lifetime, but now <laughs> I don't. I don't want to see it again. That's for sure. Uh, what do you think about? The, so yeah, I would go prior Long story short, in that one, Matthews. Uh, excuse me. Emmanuel Sanders or Demarius Thomas? They play at Kansas City on Monday night. Versus Kansas City on Monday night, excuse me.
1: Well, to me, this one all depends on if the shutdown corner Marcus Peters plays, as he was held out last week with an injury. So if he plays, he'll be on Demarius Thomas most likely. So I would start Sanders in that case. If he's out, then I would go with Thomas. So just
0: just pay attention to the injury report there for Kansas City. Ooh, if – Peters does play. Uh, the turn of that, I think, underrated matchup is Steven Nelson versus Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, Nelson's been getting his nose dirty the last couple of weeks, IDP wise, making a lot of tackles. So I think I think that would be a good matchup: two smaller receivers going toe to toe. Excuse me, smaller players going toe to toe. So um, Nick brings up a good point with Peters. You know, and, and as good as Peters is, he still tends to give up those those big plays. Though I mean, he might he might hold Thomas, but Thomas might have a big, long touchdown, too. So, uh, Seth Roberts. What do you think about Seth Roberts versus Carolina? Uh, I think
1: I've got to sit him. Uh, only one touchdown over his last six games. He hasn't hit 70 yards in any game at all this year. Uh, There's just too little upside for me to start him.
0: You see, we talked about him last week, and I was really hoping – i really really expecting to see some vulnerability from that, that Houston defense in the middle. And unfortunately it was Jalen Richard and not Seth Roberts or Walford had a decent, decent day with two for 28, decent average, I guess. Well, uh, Roberts only had one catch for six yards. Uh, Richard scored that, or excuse me, Richard scored that beautiful touchdown up the middle. What a, what a play that was. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know what, there's no way Keekley plays this week, right, Nick? So I, I think that, that shifts some bodies around that thing. Something might get lost in the confusion there. I know he only has that one touchdown over the last six. Um, that was the game winner, I believe against Tampa, but I just, there's a lot of young players, rookies, even in that secondary. And, uh, I don't know. I can see a big touchdown from Roberts in this game as well. Um, he's such a great best ball player. I love that guy. Um, <laughs> uh, What do you think about Marquise Lee at Buffalo?
1: Well, Lee's actually had four receptions and at least 50 yards in each of the last three games. Uh, Speaking of best ball leagues, I am very glad that I kept him in one of our best ball leagues. But I think he's startable now, at least provided your team uh, or your league uh, starts four wide receivers. Now, if you're in one of those leagues where it's just two starting receivers and one flex, I don't know if I would start him in that sort of league. But if you're starting four wide outs, then go ahead and roll with Lee.
0: Uh yeah, I think he's outperforming uh Alan Hearns over the last month too, so there's uh that's been been not good things there from Hearns and uh Lee's Lee's been doing good. Eight a team high, eight targets last week. Um so yeah, like Nick said, he's not a he's not a guy that's gonna be one of your wide receiver, you know, threes or fours, but uh potentially a four I guess. Uh yeah, he's he's like like I said earlier, a great best ball player. Nick said that earlier. But what do you think about Cameron Meredith? Had a had a decent week last week, first game without Elshon. What, what do you think?
1: Uh, I know he's got a high ceiling, but I think I'm going to sit him. The Tennessee defense isn't the best, but either is the Chicago quarterback situation with Matt Barkley now the starter. So I've got to sit him until I see some sort of chemistry between those two.
0: Yeah. Good point. You know, there might be some chemistry from uh, practice with uh, Meredith, who was certainly lower on the depth chart at the beginning of the year. So there might, there might be something there. Um, at least I always tell myself that type of thing when this kind of situation arises. Um, yeah, it it's just just depends on your situation. You know, he's probably a wide a wide receiver for if you if you're you're running out of options. Um, what do you think? You think you're playing a guy like Brandon LaFell over Meredith in this type of situation this week?
1: Yeah, I think I would do that, especially considering you know the the lack of other targets now in that Cincinnati offense. I, I would go with LaFell with a better quarterback.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he LaFell is the bigger wide receiver too. Six, I think he's six five. So that, that gives him another red zone option there with uh, with Eifert up in the middle too. So. What do you think about Colby Fleener versus L.A. Or Charles Clay versus Buffalo?
1: Well, over the last five games, Colby Fleener only has one touchdown, and he hasn't caught five passes in a game since week six. When uh, we look at Charles Clay, he has yet to score a touchdown this year, but he does have five games with five catches. So I'll take that high forward to tight end position, although I do understand, if, uh, especially if you're say, an underdog this week, if you want to chase the upside with Fleener. But I, I prefer the safe four myself.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm going Clay too. I just I just think he's he's the better player, especially considering the matchup. And did I say Charles Clay versus Buffalo? Uh, I think you know what I meant. Charles Clay versus Jacksonville. Uh Cameron Brait. What do you think about Cameron Brait versus Seattle?
1: Well, Seattle can be actually beaten by tight ends. Last week, Zach Ertz was Philadelphia's leading receiver as far as receptions go. Six catches, uh, 35 yards, and a score. I don't love it by any means, but I think I would go ahead and start him. Again, tight end position is just so
0: thin and hard to predict. Oh, it certainly is. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I could see a short short touchdown from Brayton this game, so I, I, like, I like that where he might be very touchdown dependent, but I, I think if I'm putting money on yes or no this week, I think I could see that from him. Um, Cliff defensive side of the ball, Cliff Averill at Tampa or Joey Bosa at Houston. What do you think? Uh, I'm going
1: to go with Joey Bosa. I know he's cooled off over the last three weeks, but he's facing a more mistake prone quarterback and a more run heavy team. And both of those things are pluses for defensive linemen.
0: So I'll take Bosa. Ooh, yeah. Very good point there. Um, uh, April has been very, very solid, but uh, we, uh, there's certainly not, uh, not a lot of going, good things going for that running game at Champ. I know Martin's back, but he's not setting the world on fire by any means. When you think about Brandon Graham versus Green Bay on Monday night. Well,
1: Graham's only had six total tackles over the last three weeks. Uh, plus, you look at Aaron Rodgers is better at most quarterbacks than at avoiding sacks. So, I'm going to sit Brandon Graham this week.
0: Yeah. You know, he's one of those players and I feel like Philadelphia unfortunately has a lot of these guys and maybe it's because they had that heavy rotation. But uh there's certain guys that are just way better NFL players than fantasy players, and that's certainly the case on the defensive side of the ball with with the Eagles. You look at Betty Logan was an absolute force last week or last yeah, 2 weeks ago versus Atlanta. But he recorded no tackles at all so but what he did it was disrupt and force the middle of the pocket uh but he still recorded no tech so uh Brandon Graham's kind of that same way. He's probably been their top pass rusher. I think he might lead the team in sacks but uh that's certainly dependent on him and we know Rodgers can move. Uh Sheldon Richardson you ready to real Sheldon Richardson versus New England Nick?
1: I am uh you look at four of the last five weeks he's had six or seven tackles uh he's only got one and a half sacks on the year, so if if your league is a sack heavy scoring league, then I would probably sit him but in standard i d p scoring leagues, I definitely would start him this week,
0: yeah, yeah, I think he's a good play, especially with sometimes they just hand the ball off to to blunt, and I feel like if they do enough. Moving Richardson and Mohammed and and uh, excuse me Leonard Williams around Richardson could maybe maybe be the beneficiary of the guy making a lot of tackles in the run game. Um, so I I like him too. I think he's pretty he's a pretty soft play. He's kind of a hard guy to sit anyway. But even though there's two other good defensive linemen on that team, he's kind of a hard guy to sit. Well, a couple guys that kind of go up and down. Depending on the week, maybe it depends on the matchup. What do you think about a couple of Raiders linebackers here, Nick, because we look at Malcolm Smith or Perry Riley versus Carolina? Uh, to me, there's no question I would go with Malcolm
1: Smith. Uh, Perry Riley hasn't surpassed three tackles in a game since week five, whereas Smith, on the other hand, hasn't been under six tackles since week six, and including his ten tackle and interception game on Monday night. So,
0: yeah, Malcolm Smith, definitely. Uh, yes, I wrote these before the Monday Night Contest. <laughs> that maybe made this one a plan, But how did Perry Riley come in and be the leading tackler, like, the first two or three games, and now not, not – now that seems he can't do anything? Because he's out there for snaps. It's not like his snap count reduction is. I just, I just don't get it. I'm looking for that big bounce back game for him. As I know, Oakland is already planning on him being there next year. So I'm, I'm looking for that big bounce back IDP game from Perry Riley. So – Maybe that's just wishful thinking. Here, it's Malcolm Smith certainly certainly the uh, the sexier, safer play. Uh, brought, ooh, I got a three headed one here. As you're going to pick two, Nick. Uh, some pass rushers, some outside linebackers. Um, Brian Arakle at Chicago, Nick Perry at Philly, or Frank Clark at Tampa. Can you pick two? Well, ideally, I would like to start all three
1: of these guys. I think they're all pretty good matchups. Uh, But since I can't, I think I'm going to go ahead and sit Brian Arakpo simply because I think Chicago is the most likely opponent to struggle to string uh, long drives together, and fewer snaps equals fewer opportunities. So Brian Arakpo is the guy I would sit, so I would start Nick Perry and Frank Clark.
0: You don't see a couple second-half sacks from with versus Mr. Barkley?
1: Well, like like I said, I, I would prefer to start all three of these guys. I, I like all their matchups, mm-hmm. but uh, if if you're not yeah. giving me that option, Raracco is the one I will sit.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, I think I would probably sit Perry. He's he's probably the best tackle upside of guys. He probably has the most tackles of all these guys, but uh, I just I really believe what Wentz is doing back there in the pocket is just calculated and he doesn't make he doesn't make extra he doesn't make uh, meaningless moves uh, like we see some some quarterbacks and that ultimately I think gets them in trouble I think Wentz is going to be very dialed in uh, Monday night versus versus uh, the Green Bay Packers and that could be could be bad news for Perry especially with the lack of a uh, running game the lack of Bodies in the running game. I should say that Philly has right now. I don't. I don't see Perry having a good game. Um, Sterling Moore versus L.A. A couple cornerbacks here, or Daryl Worley versus Oakland. What do you think?
1: Well, if you're in an interception heavy scoring league, uh, I think maybe go with Sterling Moore versus the rookie quarterback, but even then it's pretty risky. Uh, Daryl Worley, on the other hand, much safer play versus a Raider team that likes to throw the ball way more than the LA Rams do. So uh, 99% of the time I'm going with Daryl Worley.
0: Yeah, and no matter who he's matched up with, you know he's going to be getting some looks there. So uh, I agree there too. Sterling. Moore has actually strung together a fairly decent season there for uh, for the New Orleans defense that was in need of some people just to step up, but he's been one of those players. But uh, as far as IDP goes, Worley's definitely the definitely the better play here. Um, man, this guy just keeps on ticking. We think about Patrick Chung. Is he going to keep it going against uh, the Jets?
1: Yeah, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. He's had five or more tackles every week since week four, and he's been even better over the last month with uh, tackle lines of 11, five, six, and then nine tackles last week, including a sack. So I, I, I don't see why he wouldn't have another good game this week. So start Patrick, John.
0: Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think he's – he's seems like he's a must-start right now. I'd, for, I feel like – early in the season like Nick said uh came came into his own after week 4 but uh earlier in the season that wasn't a question but he's uh I think a must start throughout and that's that's good news for uh obviously his owners and New England there too coming through with the big sack last week too but uh yeah I just he just keeps on ticking I feel like that guy's been in the league for 15 years. He's, I'm probably way off on that but he's just been around forever. Um get to some dynasty trade analysis here, Nick. Um, Obviously, this one changes a little bit as Matthews went down with an injury. Can you believe that? Ryan Matthews is hurt. Uh, But uh, what do you think about Ryan Matthews and Cameron Meredith for Frank Gore and Robert Woods, who's also probably out for a couple weeks there for Buffalo.
1: Yeah, so the two injured players leaves us with uh, Frank Gore and Cameron Meredith. Uh, I think if I'm going long-term <laughs> building for the future, I would prefer the side that got uh, Cameron Meredith and Ryan Matthews. Uh, if I'm trying to win this season, uh, definitely would we'll side with the team that uh, picked up Frank Gore and Robert Woods.
0: Yeah, and you know, Woods Woods has been a. When he's been healthy, he's been a very solid player for Buffalo this year, and and we've seen Meredith come through too too. So I think both of those guys are kind of kind of a wash. And with uh, that makes Gore being healthy as opposed to Ryan Matthews being hurt, uh, that certainly uh, tips the scales there. But I hear I hear you saying about the future and uh, present there with uh, with that trade there as well. Um, Kevin Coleman. Isaiah Crowell and the 2018 second for Michael Thomas. Now this one is going to be uh, in our question and answer coming up on Sunday as well. So make sure you check that up. What do you think about this one, Nick? I think it's
1: close, but I think in order for me to part with Michael Thomas, I would have at least had to have that second round pick be a first round pick. So I'm going to side with the uh, the team that acquired Michael Thomas.
0: Okay. Yeah. And I see both sides of this one. I do feel like you know if you're Let's say you have Michael Thomas. He was probably a late round first first late first round rookie pick. That means your team was likely successful the year before. Therefore, you probably have a pretty solid core of receivers. So I I got no problem. You know, if you stock stockpiling on a few running backs for a stretch run, that's I think that makes makes sense. Um, and I think it makes sense for both sides. I it, I think Thomas. The fact that he's been a consistent player in an offense that it's very hard to consistently put up, to put up fantasy stats. I mean, obviously they have, have some good players come through the years, but to do it week to week, like Thomas has done, that's pretty hard. Um, I don't know. I think, I think it's a pretty fair deal. I don't think I would. Um, it, it but it also, like I said, it also depends on your, uh, your team situation there too. And what, uh, what you're looking to do this year as, as opposed to, uh, next year as well. Um, uh Christian Michael and Alan Robinson for CJ ProSize and Des Bryant. What do you think? Well, I
1: gotta give hats off to the uh Michael, former Michael owner, as I'm assuming this trade took place right before Michael got released by the Seahawks. That's the ultimate sell high move. So basically we've got Alan Robinson for CJ ProSise and Des Bryant. I, I gotta side with the uh, the team that picked up Bryant and ProSize, uh, just yeah, the two guys are better than one in this case. It's not always the case, but in this case, <laughs> yeah, it I'm, definitely is.
0: And I'm pretty sure – I think this is DFW48. I could be wrong. But I'm pretty sure this ha- this trade happened after Michael officially signed with Green Bay. So, um, and, But even though ProSace is out right now, uh, so – uh yeah, I think I think the guy that got dez in pro certainly got the the better end of this deal considering how Robinson has struggled this year. And even though we had a touchdown last week he had like three catches for nineteen yards or something like that. Pretty pretty pathetic. Um let's get to some prospect watch, Nick. I had you look at uh Pittsburgh quarterback uh Nathan Peterman. I've heard some good things about him. What what do you got for us? Well, uh, Nathan
1: Peterman, uh Six foot two, two 225 pounds. His growth was perhaps stunted by transferring from Tennessee in 2015. He doesn't really have any of those wow stats, but he's running a pro-style offense, and that should help him transition to the pros. Uh, so much so that uh, NFLmots.com, presented by Fanside last week, n- named him their weekly un- underrated prospect. Uh, He doesn't have the strongest arm in the world, but it is strong enough, and he does the mental things right. He's good at play-action fakes, and he limits turnovers. Uh, 19 touchdowns, only four interceptions, and only eight sacks this year, and that's improved from uh, taking 25 sacks last season. Uh, He's only just over 2,100 yards, but a lot of that comes from Pitt not being a high-flying spread offense like so many of the college teams are running these days. And it's good to see him peaking in the second half of his senior year. That shows that he's improving. Of course he torched Duke, but then he went uh, 22 for 37 with 308 yards and five scores in Pitts' upset of Clemson. Of course, uh, it's pretty early in the process to predict what round he'll go in. I mean, you and I surely didn't think that Cody Kessler was going to be a third-round pick in this (laughs) past draft. Uh, But he should get drafted, and he could be a pretty decent stash, especially if your league has a taxi squad for rookies.
0: Uh yeah yeah he's like Nick said with that pro style offense and that huge win against Clemson really put his put his name on the map he's certainly a, a player and um, yeah he's, he's an easily a late round guy you know a guy uh, um, if not more as the the process takes hold after the end of the season but or takes hold excuse me uh, but I see like a team like Arizona looking at a guy like this um, and I know they run a different offense to what he's doing there but just just a guy that can like nick said limit turnovers and just make some good plays uh i think he's a nice project the guy that can sit behind carson palmer there so I, I like i like him a lot um i looked at uh, another quarterback uh out of north carolina uh, mitch trubisky six foot one 220 pound kid uh just a first-year starter doesn't have a lot of starts under his belt, so that that could be an issue, and that could keep him keep him at a, at a late-round pick. But uh, I really like the footwork; I think he's very sound in the three, five, and seven-step drops. Got a really quick release, kind of like a, a John Elway. I'm not comparing him; not saying he's the next John Elway, but I'm saying he's got that's the kind of throwing style that he really reminds me of. He's just kind of a nice quick release. I don't think he's afraid to tuck and run. He's going to do what he can to give his team a first down. Very solid thrower on slants and on other intermediate passes. I think his deep ball suffers when he gets when he gets under pressure. He tends to throws off that back foot and over overthrows guys as well. So he certainly has a few things to ish out. Over, over overall, I think he's got he's got really really good chance to be a contributing player. You know, maybe he's a he's a backup and uh, get the chance to start after a few years. but uh, And I, I do feel like he is a little bit easily rattled uh, when he gets pressure up the guts, uh, which, you know, has always been the scouting report on Tom Brady. Again, I'm not saying he's Tom Brady, but uh, I'm saying those things can obviously uh, get worked out and teams can uh, cer- certainly mask uh, inefficiencies or or weaknesses. So I, I think he's got a future maybe a little bit undersized some. Some teams like those bigger quarterbacks, but uh, the fact that he can move, I think, is certainly going to help help him uh, in the process. And I certainly feel like he's kind of a a late round guy there. Mitch Trubisky out of uh, North Carolina, the Tar Heels. Uh, we got Chuck patiently waiting on the phone. Let's patch him through.
2: Chuck, are you there? Yes, sir. Just signing How on are you Facebook.
0: <laughs>
2: ah. I was uh, I was looking in my posts while I was listening to you guys talk about uh, IDP. Oh no, it was uh, you moved on to trades, didn't you? Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, guys.
0: Happy Thanksgiving to you.
2: It's a little cool here around Las Vegas today. High like sixty-one degrees, so everybody's freezing here. Oh really? Oh, really? <laughs> By the way, Josh. That's uh too bad. Congratulations to the Sioux Falls Cougars last weekend. They uh they moved on in the division two playoffs.
0: <laughs> they did. They said, Hey, they the Cougars are no slouch. They have been they have been good for a long time. They've been good for about twenty years. They've been a a deep playoff team every every single one of those years and they used to be uh division three and they moved made the move up to division two and really haven't uh missed a beat. Uh-huh. So, uh good. And because it's my uh, my city, I might actually try to see what I can do. They have a quarterback by the name of Luke Papillion who uh, has apparently had some scouts looking at him as he's a senior. So uh, maybe we'll uh, maybe I'll see if I can get Luke or one of their coaches <clears throat> on to talk about uh, talk about his future. As you know, yeah, they look to be they play they got another home game this yeah as they uh, look to move on to the playoffs. So yeah,
2: good. Well, he could be the next Carson Wentz. There you go, or or, or Tony Romo. Mm-hmm. Small college, or Joe Qubies. Flacco. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what's up, guys? We had a uh, well. Nick is the only one that we can really be proud of last week. So good job, Nick. Uh Josh, you and I were six and eight, and I should point out, Josh, Ooh. that if you would have if you would have picked the Raiders, you would have been seven and seven last week. <laughs> so I'll rub that in a little bit. And uh, Nick uh, ended up. uh happy to be right. Yeah, Nick ended up 9 and 5. So, a very good weekend for Nick.
1: All right. Got to have been my best
2: week of the year, I'm mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> All right. You would have been a rich man. Okay, guys, are you ready? Uh this weekend, by the way, Thanksgiving games uh coming up in three of them. I, Josh, I was going to ask you and Nick, um have you ever seen a Thanksgiving lineup like we have this Thanksgiving?
0: Um, well, a couple, a couple of years ago, I thought it was pretty good too. um, um, I can't remember who Dallas and Detroit played, but we had that, that awesome evening game when it was Pittsburgh at Baltimore or, or vice versa, but they that was a good, that was a good week, that was a good year, I remember that year, um, but, yeah, I uh, think, I-
2: Obviously. I think these three games uh, are are all really of interest to me. There's usually one snoozer where you know you can plan on having your uh, your Thanksgiving meal during that game, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but not this year. The TV trays will have to be out in front of the tubes this year, right? Oh yeah,
0: uh, we're always halftime of the first game. That's we're pretty regular on that one. So uh,
2: uh, okay, and that's always the Lions but the,
0: game. The big yeah, the big. Uh, Thorn in the side, unfortunately is uh Scott Tosey starting for uh the Colts as opposed to Andrew luck, which just does suck for prime time action, but
2: uh yeah, I know like we'll to get, we'll get to that we'll get to that one in a, in a, yeah, we'll get to that one in a second, so uh let's just uh let's start down the list here. The first game, of course, uh almost always isn't Detroit always the first game on Thanksgiving? Yeah, seems like it seems like it always is. Anyway, the the, uh, the Lions huh. I know play every Thanksgiving, and this time they have a divisional game. They're at home against the Minnesota Vikings, and the Lions are favored by two and a half points on this one. Wow,
0: um, I I think I'll take the Vikings in that. If you're going to give me that many points, um, I think um, they just played a couple weeks ago, or yeah, just two weeks ago. So uh, I think Minnesota found something and they kinda of had a good team win as they got a defensive touchdown and a return touchdown. I'm not predicting that again for them, but I think uh I think they can make enough plays to stay to stay within I think they'll win this game, so I think they'll I think they could certainly stay within two and a half. Nick, what do you think?
1: I'm going to go the other way. I think Detroit can easily win this game by a field goal. Minnesota, yeah, they got the win against the struggling Cardinals team last week, but you know, other than that, they've been kind of in a slide over the last month. Whereas Detroit, it's it's been it's been a while since Detroit's been uh, on top of the division in the standings, and I, I think they're going to like that feeling and want to keep it going. So I'm going to go with the Lions.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, with Nick on this one. The uh, and Josh, you made the point that Minnesota scored a defensive touchdowns. You know, they had two touchdowns for their defense and special teams. You can't count on that every week. And I think they kind of uh, I don't want to say they got lucky because it does take a lot of you know skill you know on defense and special teams. But like I say, you can't count on those. So without those, they would have had another loss. And uh, you can't depend on that i'm going to go ahead and uh, and take the uh, the the lion because i mean we can just count on the lions being behind in the fourth quarter and them coming back to win by maybe a field goal or something so so uh, i'm going to i'm going to take the bait here and, and i think the lions will win by at least 3 okay the middle game of our Thanksgiving games is the Washington Redskins playing at the Cowboys. And, uh, you guys are going to like this. The Cowboys favored by seven points here.
0: Hmm. Well, Nick, do you like that?
2: <laughs> uh, Kirk Cousins likes that.
0: But, uh, yeah, seven points,
1: that's just too many. I, I i don't think the Redskins are going to pull the upset here. Uh, Dallas is just too good of a team right now. But I do think they can keep it close, especially in, the, in a division game. Well, hopefully I'm wrong and the Redskins pull the upset and get the win on Thanksgiving like they did back in 2012. But uh, I'm still going to take, uh, take Washington to at least cover the spread.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, I think – I think this is going to be a better game than a lot of people think. So I'll, I'll, I think, you know, the old saying, too many points for a division game. So I'll take Washington. I'll take Washington this one, but I think Dallas probably pulls it out.
2: I went back and looked. uh, The NFC East is uh, perhaps more loaded with, with, uh, with, with good. They're not only balanced, they're loaded with teams that are really good. And every, Every NFC East game is competitive. I was looking at the uh, margin of victories. There have been six games between NFC East teams this year. Uh, the margins of victory are five, six, seven, two, four, and one. So only one game has been seven points, and the rest of them have all been under. So I'm going to look for another hard fought game here, and I'm going to make this our first sweep of the week, and I'm going to take the Washington Redskins here. Okay. All right, this next one is uh, – now, I was just watching ESPN just before we came on, and they still think there's a chance that Andrew Luck can play in that game. I haven't seen that he's definitely out. And so, when I look at my point spreads here lined up, um, we have uh, Pittsburgh by – oh, Westgate just put a lineup on this game. Okay, they they must be convinced that Luck is going to be out then, uh, Josh – uh, I had the Steelers as three-point favorites, and then this morning I saw one book at six-and-a-half, and, a half, and I, I figured that was because they figured the luck was going to be out. But now the Westgate-Las Vegas, which is the one uh, the one we're using, is uh, eight-and-a-half, Pittsburgh eight-and-a-half over Indianapolis.
0: Wow. from um. Oof, that seems that seems like a lot, but I I just don't know how they're gonna stop how the Indy indie defense is gonna stop this this Pittsburgh offense. Um, I know they they're not uh, the best offense in the league, but uh, when they when they get going, they're pretty hard to stop. So I'll 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 lay those points. Not loving it though. Nick, what do you think?
1: Um, I'm surprised that ESPN's even thinking that Andrew Luck has a chance to play um, a short week after having a concussion on Thursday. I think that would be foolish to the Colts to play him. So yeah, I eight and a half points with no Andrew Luck, I, I think I think Pittsburgh won this by double digits.
2: This is uh I was just looking at the line history on this game. The uh the Steelers started out favored by three, went up to three and a half, and it was three uh for the rest of the time until this morning. At uh let's see, eleven thirty four, which would be eight thirty four Eastern time. Uh they went to seven and a half and the, the betting public immediately took it up. It went it, it it went up one more point. It went from seven and a half to eight and a half in a matter of about fifteen minutes. Uh so the public is jumping all over Pittsburgh. Now I wanna warn you guys of something like this. Whenever a quarterback is out like this, especially a good quarterback like Andrew Luck, and, you know, we, yeah, we're talking wounded dog theory, but it isn't just the fact that uh, they play harder. The defense schemes more, and the defense is going to kind of put it on the on the shoulders of the defense to win the game. So the defense is going to play better. Um I'm going to look for Indianapolis to keep this within eight-and-a-half points, so I'm going to go ahead and, uh, you know, I liked Indianapolis anyway, plus six-and-a-half, so I'll take them plus eight-and-a-half. Uh, I'll take the Colts here.
0: Okay. I'm
2: not boring you, am I, Josh? No, no. <laughs> okay. All right, let's go on to the Sunday games. Uh the early games and the first one boy this is early for san diego san diego is playing at houston and the uh, houston texans are favored by 1 point
0: uh, basically a pickup game isn't he and isn't houston aren't they undefeated at home you're right yeah i, I think that's going to come to an end i'll take i'll take uh i'll take san diego i think they win this game I wouldn't be surprised if they went up by a couple scores. Nick, what do you think?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Houston. I think it's pretty rare that a team with a winning record playing at home uh, versus an opponent with a losing record is only a one-point favorite. So i got to go
2: with Houston all the way in this one. Uh, I'm going to go with Houston, too. Um, Houston, win- Houston wins at home. They're 5-0 and at home. They're 1-4 and on the road. They're one road win was uh, against Jacksonville. So real, real big discrepancy between their home and their road games. So uh, this one looks, uh, Nick, I don't know about you, it looks almost too easy to me. I'm a little suspicious, but I'm still going to take Houston to continue their mastery at their home stadium.
0: Well, I did hear uh, Mike Florio say on Pro Football Talk this morning that basically San Diego would be first in almost half of the divisions in the in the NFL, if they weren't in the AFC
2: West, so I don't,
0: I don't think they're necessarily your prototypical team with a losing record. They just happen to be in a very tough division.
2: Yeah, well, you bring up a good point, and uh, you know that's probably why Houston isn't favored by more than that. You know that that's what surprises me. So, um, the next game is uh, the Tennessee Titans. Again, we have another uh, instance of a quarterback being out, Jay Cutler is out for the rest of the year and, and maybe for the rest of his uh, of his uh, career at Chicago, as a matter of fact. But the Tennessee Titans, they started out as three-and-a-half-point favorites, and after the news of color hit, they went up to four-and-a-half-point favorites. So the Titans favored on the road by four-and-a-half. Um,
0: I, I, I want to kick myself for even doing this, but I'll take Chicago. I just think that's too too many points. Love love a home team dog. I think Tennessee wins this game, but I, I don't I don't I don't know. That's that's too many points to give to a to a road team, especially Tennessee not being able to, like Nick said earlier, move the ball against a terrible Colts defense last week. I, that that surprised me a little bit. So I and I think they'll also try to play clock control, and that's not going to leave room for some for for some big big scoring discrepancies at least. So Nick, what do you think? Well, you mentioned Tennessee struggled
1: to run, uh, move the ball against Indianapolis, but Indianapolis has had their number. They beat them, I don't know, if it was like 10, 11 games in a row, something like that, something crazy, some crazy stat I think I saw. So, you, you know, it's just one of those deals. But other than the Colts game, Tennessee has been able to move the ball quite well this, over the last month or two. So I'm going to go with Titans to win this, probably by at least a touchdown.
2: Well, I'm going to go ahead and take uh, my Bears in this game. Um just simply because uh, you know their defense is bad but it hasn't been too bad it's been getting better the last 3 games uh Kyle Fuller may return for the uh, bears this week Matt Barkley is going to be the quarterback he's uh he's at least serviceable Tennessee is 21st against wide receivers and num- number nine versus the run. But Tennessee has, hasn't really played anybody who has, uh, has who has a good running game. They played the Raiders, I guess, and they lost to the Raiders. Texans have Lamar Miller, and they lost to the Texans. Um, I, I don't see any teams that they played that have had you know good run. Well, they played the Chargers, and uh, Melvin Gordon went to town on them. So you know maybe the bears get their running game going it'll probably be a low scoring game with the bears running the ball a lot and, and running out the clock a lot and i'll look for the bears to uh, to keep this one close so i'll agree with uh, josh on this one next game the jacksonville Sorry, jaguars I didn't let you go first. yeah i know i thought about that about halfway through your thing i thought oh well all right now um your your you, team is you can Jack- go first your, on the raiders your team is uh, jacksonville right <laughs> no, <shit. laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars are in Buffalo, and the uh, the Bills are in a strange position of being uh, seven and a half point favorites over Jacksonville in this game.
1: Ooh, uh,
0: that's that's a lot of points, but uh, I'll take it. This is Buffalo at home. Yeah, I'll take it, Nick. What do you think?
1: Well, I think Buffalo definitely wins this game, but they're a run-centric team that's pretty low scoring typically. So seven and a half points I think is just too much. I think, you know, garbage time Blake Bortles can bring this to within about six, you know, five, six points. So I'll go with Jacksonville kind of to
2: cover the spread. You know, I like this time of year because you really get a chance to uh, see what trends are developing. And, and the, I, I went back and looked to see if Buffalo, can they can they cover a spread like this? Well, uh, the Buffalo wins this year have been by 15 points, 16 points, 11 points. That was on the road at LA, 29 points, and their 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 lowest winning margin was four points. That of course was last week at Cincinnati, which was uh, which is just good for them to win. So I think uh, I don't I don't think there's any reason why the Bills can't cover this spread. So I'm going to go ahead and take them minus the points here. I'll take Buffalo. And the team that Buffalo beat last week, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, are in Baltimore, and the Baltimore Ravens are favored by four and a half points.
0: Yeah, I'll, I just wait, There's going to be a, a grace period we'll see how Cincy does without uh, AJ and Gio. I know AJ's probably coming back in a couple weeks, uh, but uh, I, I just. Don't hold a lot of hope out for this game, and I know you I typically say four points is too much for a division game, but I'll uh, not not this time around. I'll take a, I'll take Baltimore. As Cincinnati's season is all but lost anyway. Nick, what do you think? Well, Joe Flacco, after uh, losing to Dallas, seemed to be a little bit shocked. He
1: you know, said after the game, the the Ravens really thought they could uh, go and beat Dallas. So, if they thought they could go and beat Dallas, I think they're going to, you know, come back and really take it to a a wounded Cincinnati team and and beat them by at least a touchdown, especially playing at home. So, I'm going to go with the Ravens.
2: I'm going to go with the Bengals. I think uh, they were a little embarrassed last week. Marvin is uh, is on the – on the hot seat there Uh, you're going to see a really really big all-out effort by Cincinnati this week and you know without A.J. Green maybe it helps them a little bit they're going to spread the ball the ball around a lot and uh, I'll look for them you know I mean if anything Baltimore win it by a Justin Tucker field goal at the end so I'm going to go ahead and take Cincinnati here plus the four and a half okay next game Arizona Cardinals are in Atlanta, and uh, in the time since this morning and right now, the, the uh, spread's gone up a half point. The uh, Falcons are favored by four and a half over the uh, Arizona Cardinals.
0: Four and a half. Wow. That's ah, – wow. Arizona's pretty pretty putrid on the road. Um, but uh, I th- I just feel like they don't have a full team on the road. They're, there's always some – deficiencies somewhere so I think but I do think that's too many points I think this is a really close close game in this one so I will I'll take uh I'll take Arizona if you're going to give me that many points Nick what do you think
1: I'm going to go with Atlanta, and I, I don't love it, especially considering that uh, Julio Jones is going to have to deal with Patrick Peterson all day long. That could keep uh, the scoring to a minimum. But, but I do still think the Falcons have enough weapons to beat Arizona, who's just really struggled this year. I, I had them pick to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, boy, was I wrong.
2: Arizona Cardinals are kind of that uh, that cornered animal. They've they've got to win now, and believe it or not, I think it's going to be kind of a shootout. I think that uh, that Atlanta has a good enough offense to put up a lot of points, but I think Arizona will stay with them. And, and, and remember this: last week we go back to the Vikings game, but the Vikings had two touchdowns by defense and special teams. Without those touchdowns. In fact, without one of them, Arizona has a good chance of winning that game. So if they won last week, we'd be thinking a whole different thing about them. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Arizona to, uh, to play them toe-to-toe, go toe-to-toe with the Falcons, and I'm going to look for, uh, for a close game. And uh, one of those teams will pull it out with a field goal at the end.
0: Okay.
2: Okay. Who's, uh, whose favorite team is San Francisco? The the Forty Niners travel to Miami, and the Miami Dolphins are favored by seven and a half. Let me get a uh, let me get a check on that spread because a lot of them have been changing this morning. Let's see, yeah, Miami by seven and a half.
0: Does it seem weird that a game that this big a spread should be a I I I for once it's not the Rams. I I maybe I jumped the gun. Who are the Rams playing this week? Uh I don't really care about this game. That's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. Um I I don't think Miami's deserves to be favored by that much. I'll take San Francisco. Uh, even though they let me down last week. Well I'll take San Francisco to to lose by seven. You say seven and a
2: half, right? Seven and a half.
0: They're they're gonna lose by seven. Nick, what do you think? You know, for all the negative uh, publicity
1: Miami's gotten this year, a lot of it's well deserved. They actually do have a winning record. They're sitting there at six and four. So playing at home against a team that's uh, only won one game this year, I think they can win this one by double digits. So I'm going to go with the ball to at least cover seven and a half points.
2: Well, you probably wouldn't be probably wouldn't be a a, a rich person if you bet on San Francisco every week, but. I'm still going to take them. Uh, Miami just continues to, you know, just when you think they're on a roll, they aren't on a roll. Uh, they got lucky in beating the Rams last week. Um, I, I think the 49ers they they, they travel pretty well, um, and guy, and I, 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 no reason I'm going to take San Francisco. Uh, they're just going to make a good accounting of themselves this week. So, and they, they, you know, uh, it's quite a step down in class going from the uh, from the Patriots down to the Dolphins. So, we'll look for things to be a little easier for San Francisco, and they'll put up a good fight. So, I'll take them plus the points. Okay, Josh, it's time for the L.A. Rams. The Rams are in New Orleans. This is one game that I just I, I can't figure either. Uh, New Orleans is favored by seven and a half. Or excuse me. New Orleans favored by seven. Sorry about that.
0: That's okay. Um, that's that's you know New Orleans being good at home against certainly uh, an inferior opponent. Um, I think ooh, seven, right at seven. Can I predict a push? Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> I think that is right. I mean, I think that uh, that's right on. So I. I uh, if I think it's going to be closer, let's, let's let's take the Rams. And that's why I care about this game. I'm going to take the Rams. Give me them okay. seven points. Nick, what do you think?
1: Uh, i got to go the other way. If it was in L.A., maybe I would uh, think about taking the Rams. But at home, the Saints, Drew Brees against a rookie quarterback playing in his second-ever game, I, I can't pick against the
2: Saints in this one. Well, one thing about that, Nick, is that uh, the rookie – Quarterback for the Rams will find things a little bit easier going than they did against the Dolphins' defense last, last week in the rain. <laughs> I guess that, you know, when I picture this game, now picture when New Orleans has the ball, they got a great offense against the Rams, really, really good defense. And then when the Rams have the ball, they're have they an inept offense against a pretty inept defense. It's just going to be, you know what, I mean, I, I would call this the we-don't-care game of the week, except it will be really interesting to watch see, uh, and see which teams prevail in those situations. Maybe it's decided on a special teams touchdown of some sort. But, uh, you know, it looks like kind of a mediocre score as far as uh, the amount of points scored goes. Um and the only reason I'm taking the Rams here is that Jeff Fisher, he's two games below 500, and it's time for them to do something. So uh, good showing for the Rams. I'll take the Rams in this game.
0: I wonder if the Rams have blocked any kicks this year, because we know New Orleans apparently doesn't practice that. Um. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I do. Well, it's, it, it, it's like I, I was, I looked over this game and I finally decided that I was looking at it too long. I, I don't want to do anything on this game, but if you, you know, in that case, I'll take a seven point underdog in this one. That's, that's the only, the only criteria I have on this game. Mm. All right. We got the giants in an interesting game traveling to Cleveland. The, uh, We're going to go with the Browns one more week. The Cleveland Browns are seven point home underdog. It seems like they've been home forever. Haven't they? How many many home (laughs) games have they had in a row? We keep getting the Uh, the Browns as, as uh, home, as home dogs.
0: Yeah. Um, I was kind of thinking this was going to be higher, but I know the giants haven't been blowing anybody's tires off, but, uh, um, I think I'm done predicting that Cleveland upset. So I'll I'll take I'll take the Giants in this one. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm going to be rooting for Cleveland
1: every week. Nobody wants to see a team go 0 and 16 again. But I, I I can't pick them. Uh, but I do have to wonder how many of these seven point spreads this week and seven and a half point spreads could be affected by missed extra points. How many did we have last week? Like 11 missed extra points, something like that. Just
2: crazy. 12. Right? 12.
1: Yeah. 12. 12. Yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so are you going to take the Giants nick?
1: I am taking the Giants, yes.
2: Yeah. I was watching Red Zone last week and I was just amazed at all the uh, extra points that were missed. I thought it was kind of funny that uh, Robbie Gould, the kicker the Bears let go, missed two of them, two extra points against them and that actually <laughs> had some that actually had something to do with the point spread because I think the uh, the Giants were favored by six and a half in that game last week. As a matter of fact, and they ended up winning by six. Mm-hmm. Hang on, no, Giants were favored by seven and a half. So if he would have made both those, uh, they would have won by eight. I'm not saying that that would have happened because other things happen when you miss extra points. But uh, um, I'm <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna keep being a glutton for punishment here, you guys. I, I think uh, the Giants are ripe for a close game. I'm gonna. <laughs> Oh, boy. Yeah, I, I, I had an X under Cleveland, so I'm going to leave it there this week. Uh, I'll take the Browns plus the points and hope New York misses a extra point. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, the uh, Those are all the early games on Sunday, later games. First one is Seattle, five-and-a-half-point favorite at Tampa Bay.
0: Oh, you know, if this <laughs> – before last week, I would have been all all over Seattle, but Tampa Bay going into Kansas City really. I mean, I think they were leading that whole game. That was that was, I think, probably one of the biggest shocks of the week for me is that they went in there and won. So uh, I I'll, I'll take that many points with the home team dog. I think I think this will be a, a close game. You know, maybe like a four point game. I think Seattle probably prevails, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little more confidence in the Jameis Winston and company. So what do you think, Nick? Yeah, it was impressive
1: what uh what Tampa Bay did last week without a doubt. But they they still are a pretty young team and those teams kind of can be up and down type of teams, right? High I'm a big win one week and then and then lose the game the next week. So, hi, I'm going to go with the more veteran Seattle team who seems to be really coming around now.
2: Can I go back that last game just for a second, the Giants and the Browns? Josh. <laughs> here's here's one reason I took the Browns because the Giants uh in this entire season their point differential in the entire season right now is only plus four points. So they've been winning games by an average of less than two points a game. They, uh, their uh, margin of victories have been one, three, four, seven, five, one and six. So they've been playing some close games this year. That gives Cleveland a fighting chance. Now back to Tampa Bay. Um, and it's kind of weird. I'm going to give you the statistic, and then I'm going to go against it. Tampa Bay is three and0 straight up and against the spread when Doug Martin has been on the field for them this year. It's been in three games. Um, uh, Tampa Bay is bad against running backs and wide receivers. Uh, Wilson, the uh, Russell Wilson's health, (laughs) Russell Wilson's health has been really the difference this year as as he has gotten healthier. So have the uh, Seahawks. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that uh, you know it's time to you know, as much as I don't like the Seahawks I, I'd rather go with them than against them so I'm gonna go ahead and take uh, take Seattle in this game. Okay. Now after a bye week the Carolina Panthers are uh, no they didn't have a bye they had they had a Thursday game last week Keekly got hurt. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Carolina is at Oakland the Raiders Josh are favored by. Little over field goal, three and a half, and I will check that spread to see if it's gone down to three for you uh, here. No, still three and a half. Oakland by three and a half.
0: All right, you want to go? You want to go it since I took over your
2: Bears team? No, no, you go ahead. I want to hear what you say about your uh, your Raiders. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, um, I I like that. I'm actually surprised with keagley likely out i mean i I don't think there's any i haven't looked at the injury report but there's no chance i don't think he plays especially after suffering a a concussion like that but uh and i know they have extra time but i just i feel like it should be more points so i'll I'll take oakland in this one um hopefully they can get that running game going again and without keagley uh in the middle there, at the second level, I think they they could hopefully exploit that things. So I know they'll probably use Shaq Thompson a little bit more of a prominent role, so I think he's going to be playing out of position. Hopefully, Oakland can exploit that. So I look I look for a lot, for uh, some some good things for Oakland this week. I hope I'm hoping so. I'll take I'll take the Raiders in this one. And lay those points. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I agree
1: with you. I mean, Carolina, the defending NFC champs, if their emotions weren't already deflated with their four-and-six season, then they lose the, by far the best defensive player on the field there and Luke Kuechly. I don't think there's any way Carolina wins this game.
2: I'll take Oakland
1: to win uh, probably by double digits.
2: I had to ask you, Josh, when you watched the Monday night game last night, if you uh, did, did it make you nervous when they kept talking about uh, when Seabass has never missed a kick on Monday night? <laughs> <laughs> no. I was just waiting for him to to shank one. I think they were trying to do the, yeah. uh, the announcers jinx on him there. Anyway, I could have used him in missing yeah. an extra point because I had an interesting situation. I had the Oakland Raiders as the last team on a teaser, so I had the Raiders at even, and so I, I hedged against it, and I took Carolina uh, plus six, or I took uh, Houston plus six and a half. And Oakland won by seven. So all I did was win my teaser last night. All right, I digress. I'm going to take Oakland, and <laughs> I really don't see any. Uh, the only thing I wrote down is that uh, that Oakland's the hot the hot team. They have the mojo. I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on the on the Raider bus. So I'm gonna take the Raiders minus the points. I okay, should say please, Las Vegas please. Raiders, shouldn't I? Yeah, there you go. Synthetic. That's gonna be my home team here. Okay, the New England Patriots <laughs> are at New York against the Jets. Wasn't this uh this is the butt fumble game, right? New England at New York. <laughs> uh the yep. Patriots are favored by eight points here. Uh,
0: do you think they somebody um copyrighted that butt fumble? Um <laughs> uh I'm sorry. What was the spread? Eight points. It's a lot of points. Um, I just, but every time I think about that, or every time I've picked against New England, they've always proven me wrong. So I will. I'll take New England in this one, Nick. What do you think?
1: Yeah, that is a lot of points, especially considering uh, they didn't even beat San Francisco by 14, uh, 30 to 17 but I still have to go with the with the Patriots. The Jets just seem to be a mess this year, 3 and 7, so I got to go with the
2: Patriots. That's right. This will be our third clean sweep. Um I think there's a little bit of intensity on New York uh or you know when the when the uh Patriots play the Jets, you know, because it's a divisional game. And uh it it's a classic case of a sinking ship against a speedy yacht here. And I'm going to take the speedy yacht minus eight points. New England over the Jets. Mm-hmm. Now the Sunday night game is an interesting one. This one, you know, uh, the New England and the Jets was the was supposed to be the Sunday night game. They uh, they NBC flexed out of that, and they're uh, going to take the uh, Kansas City Chiefs at the Denver Broncos. The Broncos favored in this game by three and a half.
0: Oof. Um, um. Well, I again haven't looked at the injury report, but I expected expect the Broncos to be uh, healthier than they were against Oakland on Sunday night, especially after the bye week. Fresher, fresher legs, and that's that's certainly going to help them. And that uh, that thin air in Denver. So I'll I'll take Denver in this one, minus the three and a half. Nick, what do you think?
1: I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go with Kansas City to bounce back after a disappointing loss to Tampa Bay. I I think they're going to be emotionally ready to give it their all, and I I think they can get pull the upset win in Denver.
2: You know, with all the accolades that go to the Denver defense, they can be run on. Um, and I think Kansas City will do that. Uh, it will be the great equalizer if they keep it on the ground a lot. So uh, I'm going to look for a low-scoring game, and in a low-scoring game I'll take uh, more than a field goal. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Kansas City Chiefs here. Um, Monday night, the Green Bay Packers are in Philadelphia. Gosh, we got to watch the Packers again in another primetime game. Um, <laughs> Philadelphia is favored by three-and-a-half over Green Bay. Wow, I
0: that's I feel like this is a field goal game. So I'll, I'll take Green Bay. That's clearly a, an overreaction from from them from their Sunday night loss. I I know that game looked pretty ugly at the end, and it was pretty ugly in the fourth quarter. But that that game was you know it was closer. Aaron Rodgers kept that team in it, um, and without a couple of big turnovers, that's certainly a a very different game. So I'll take. I'll take Green Bay. I still think Philly wins by a field goal. I'll take Green Bay. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I think both of these teams are kind of in a
1: tailspin, and when that happens, it's you would figure that it'll probably be a pretty close game. And like you said, Green Bay did keep it close for three quarters against Washington on Monday night, so I'll go with the Packers
2: to, again, keep it close. Yeah, I, I got to believe the Packers haven't given up yet. Um, Philly, I don't know. We keep having, you know, it's probably because they're in the NFC East. They, they, they're, they're hanging in there with some good teams, but, uh, green Bay is, is still playing Philadelphia is two and five in their last seven, but both of those wins have come at home. So, that's where the danger lies there. But I'm gonna go ahead and make it a sweep and I think the Packers will find a way to win this game. If they don't, they they may just uh just say goodbye to their season. So um I'm gonna take the Packers uh plus the points here and that makes it another clean sweep. We are uh we are clean sweeping boy, after I didn't think we'd have another one after taking Washington, but we, we all like the Redskins on Thanksgiving. We all like the Raiders, we all like the uh, New England Patriots and we all like the Green Bay Packers. And by the way, last week on our sweeps we were 1 and 3, 1 out of 4.
0: Ooh.
2: Yeah. Ooh, not good. I know. It wasn't. Not this
0: week though. We're going 4-0.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to do a uh, I think I'll do a parlay on our uh, on our sweeps this week. All right. And that's really scary. Okay, you guys, congratulations yeah. <laughs> on uh, on a good week. Thanks very much, and uh, I want you all to have a great Thanksgiving. We'll be thinking about everybody, and uh, I guess we'll talk again next week, right?
0: Yes, you too. Thank you, Chuck.
2: Okay. Nick, aloha. Yeah, have a great Thanksgiving, Chuck. How, how do you say Happy Thanksgiving in Hawaiian?
1: I have absolutely no idea. <laughs>
0: okay,
2: good. <laughs> 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 have a great week, you guys. Yeah, you too. All right.
0: Okay. Um I think you say Thanksgiving by going camping, right? That's that's what Nick's doing on Thanksgiving, so he's enjoying that life. Uh any uh closing thoughts there?
1: don't um, no, just hope uh, you and everybody out there has a great Thanksgiving weekend and I guess we'll see you next week.
0: Yeah, see yeah, you too Nick, have a great Thanksgiving and we will talk to you next week. Thanks everybody for listening. This has been the Dynasty Pulse podcast. Big thanks to uh Chuck Fodaisky for being our ATS man And uh, Nick for being my co-pilot Have a good week, everybody uh, eat, some, eat some turkey legs And this is what I live for Everything
2: I've been through All I had
0: to endure And this is what I'm just for and now I can see this with my whole life of this fall. this is what I live for. Everything I've been through, all I had to get to y'all. And this is what I've lived for. And now I can see this with my own life of this fall. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Bowl podcast with Stacey, Gil, the rest of your and John Good John
1: i uh-huh.